Section 12 of The Natural History, Volume 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Natural History, Volume 5, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 12, Book 23, Chapters 1 to 18. Book 23, The Remedies Derived from the Cultivated Trees. Chapter 1, Introduction. We have now set forth the various properties, medicinal or otherwise, as well of the cereals as of the other productions which lie upon the surface of the earth, for the purpose either of serving us for food, or for the gratification of our senses with their flowers or perfumes. In the trees, however, Pomona has entered the lists with them and has imparted certain medicinal properties to the fruits as they hang. Not content with protecting and nourishing under the shadow of the trees the various plants which we have already described, she would even appear to be indignant, as it were, at the thought that we should derive more succor from those productions which are further removed from the canopy of heaven, and which have only come into use in times comparatively recent. For she bids man bear in mind that it was the fruits of the trees which formed his first nourishment, and that it was these which first led him to look upwards toward the heavens. And not only this, but she reminds him too, that even still it is quite possible for him to derive his ailment from the trees without being indebted to grain for his subsistence. Chapter 2. The Vine But, by Hercules, it is the vine more particularly to which she has accorded these medicinal properties, as though she were not contented with her generosity in providing it with such delicious flavors and perfumes and essences in its omophacium, in its oenathi, and its mesaris, preparations upon which we have already enlarged. It is to me, she says, that man is indebted for the greater part of his enjoyments. It is I that produce for him the flowing wine and the trickling oil, it is I that ripen the date and other fruits in numbers so varied, and all this not insisting like the earth on their purchase at the cost of fatigues and labors. No necessity do I create for plowing with the aid of oxen, for beating out upon the threshing floor, or for bruising under the millstone, and all in order that man may earn his food at some indefinite time by this vast expenditure of toil. As for me, all my gifts are presented to him ready prepared, for no anxieties or fatigues do they call, but on the contrary they offer themselves spontaneously, and even fall to the ground if man should be too indolent to reach them as they hang. Vying even with herself, Pomona has done still more for our practical advantage than for the mere gratification of our pleasures and caprices. Chapter 3. The Leaves and Shoots of the Vine, Seven Remedies The leaves and shoots of the vine, employed with polenta, allay headache and reduce inflammations the leaves too applied by themselves with cold water are good for burning pains in the stomach and used with barley meal are excellent applications for diseases of the joints the shoots beaten up and applied have the property of drying up all kinds of running tumors and the juice extracted from them is used as an injection for the cure of dysentery the tears of the vine which would appear to be a sort of gum will heal leprous sores, lichens, and itch scabs if treated first with nitra. Used with oil and applied frequently to superfluous hairs, they act as a depilatory. Those more particularly which exude from the vine when burnt in a green state, this last liquid 
has the effect, too, of removing warts. An infusion of the shoots in water taken in drink is good for persons troubled with spitting of blood, and for the fainting fits which sometimes ensue upon conception. The bark of the vine and the dried leaves arrest the flowing of blood from wounds, and make sores citratize more rapidly. The juice of the white vine, extracted from it while green, effectually removes cutaneous eruptions. The ashes of the cuttings of vines and of the husks of the grapes, applied with vinegar, are curative of condylomata and diseases of the fundament, as also of sprains, burns, and swellings of the spleen, applied with rose oil, rue, and vinegar. Used with wine but without oil, they make a fomentation for urispalis and for parts of the body which are chafed. They act as a depilatory also. For affections of the spleen, the ashes of vine cuttings moistened with vinegar are administered in drink, being taken in doses of two cyathi with warm water, after which the patient must take due care to lie upon the side in which the spleen is situate. The tendrils, too, which the vine throws out as it climbs, beaten up in water and drunk, have the effect of arresting habitual vomiting. The ashes of the vine, used with stale axle grease, are good for tumors, act as a detergent upon fistulas, and speedily effect a radical cure. The same, too, with pains and contractions of the sinews occasioned by cold. Applied with oil, they are useful for contusions, and with vinegar and nitre, for fleshy excrescences upon the bones. In combination with oil, they are good, too, for wounds inflected by scorpions and dogs. The ashes of the bark employed by themselves restore the hair to such parts of the body as have suffered from the action of fire. Chapter 4. Omphacium Extracted from the Vine. 14 Remedies. We have already mentioned, when speaking of the composition of unguents, how omphacium is made from the grape when it is just beginning to form. We shall now proceed to speak of its medicinal properties. Omphacium heals ulcerations of the humid parts of the body, such as the mouth, tonsillary glands, and generative organs, for example. It is very good, too, for sight, for rough spots upon the eyelids, ulcers at the corner of the eyes, films upon the eyes, running sores on all parts of the body, citricizations, slow in forming, and purulent discharges from the ears. The powerful action of omphacium is modified by the admixture of honey or raisin wine. It is very useful, too, for dysentery, spitting of blood, and quincy. Chapter 5. Oenathi. 21 Remedies. Next to omphacium comes oenathi, a product of the wild vine, described by us already when treating of the unguents. The most esteemed kind is that of Syria, the produce of the white vine, in the vicinity of the mountains of Antiochia and Laodicea in particular. Being of a cooling, astringent nature, it is used for sprinkling upon sores and is employed as a topical application for diseases of the stomach. It acts also as a diuretic and is good for maladies of the liver, headache, dysentery, celiac affections, and attacks of cholera. For nausea, it is taken in doses of one obolus in vinegar. It acts as a desiccative upon running eruptions of the head and is extremely efficacious for maladies of the human parts of the body. Hence, it is that it is employed with honey and saffron for ulcers of the mouth and for diseases of the generative organs and the fundament. It arrests looseness of the bowels and heals eruptions of the eyelids and runnings at the eyes. Taken with wine, it cures derangements of the stomach and with cold water, spitting of blood. The ashes of oenanth are highly esteemed as an ingredient in eye salves and as a detergent for ulcers, whitlows, and hangnails. To obtain these ashes, it is put into an oven and left there till the bread is thoroughly baked.
as to maceris it is used as a perfume only the renown attached to all these preparations is due solely to the innate greediness of mankind which has racked its invention to gather the productions of the earth before they have arrived at maturity chapter six grapes fresh gathered as to grapes when allowed to gain maturity the black ones have more marked properties than the others and hence it is that the wine made from them is not so agreeable the white grapes on the other hand are sweeter for being transparent the air penetrates them with greater facility grapes fresh gathered are productive of flatulency and disturb the stomach and bowels hence it is that they are avoided in fevers in large quantities more particularly indeed they are very apt to produce oppression of the head and to bring on the malady known as lethargy grapes which have been gathered and left to hang for some time are much less injurious the exposure to the air rendering them beneficial even to the stomach and refreshing to the patient as they are slightly cooling and tend to remove nausea and qualmishness chapter seven various kinds of preserved grapes eleven remedies grapes which have been preserved in wine or in must are trying to the head next to the grapes which have been left to hang in the air are those which have been kept in chaff but as to those which have been preserved among grape husks they are injurious to the head the bladder and the stomach though at the same time they arrest looseness of the bowels and are extremely good for patients troubled with spitting of blood when preserved in must they are worse even in their effects than when kept among husks boiled must too renders them injurious to the stomach it is the opinion of medical writers that grapes kept in rainwater are the most wholesome of all even though they are by no means agreeable eating for the benefit of them is particularly experienced in burning pains of the stomach biliousness arising from a disordered liver vomiting of bile and attacks of cholera as also dropsy and burning fevers grapes kept in earthen pots sharpen the taste the stomach and the appetite it is thought however that they are rendered a little heavy by the exhalations from the husks with which they are covered if vine blossoms are given to poultry mixed with their food they will never touch the grapes chapter eight cuttings of the vine one remedy such cuttings of the vine as have borne grapes have an astringent effect when they are preserved in earthen pots more particularly chapter nine grape stones six remedies grape stones also have a similar property it is through them that wine is so apt to produce headache parched and then pounded they are beneficial for the stomach and this powder is sprinkled like polenta in the beverage of patients suffering from dysentery celiac affections and derangements of the stomach a decoction of them is useful also as a fomentation for itch scabs and perigo chapter ten grape husks eight remedies grape husks used by themselves are less injurious to the head and bladder than grape stones are beaten up with salt they form an excellent liniment for inflammations of the mammalae a decoction of them taken in drink or employed as a fomentation is good for inveterate dysentery and celiac affections chapter eleven the grapes of the theracea four remedies the grapes of the theracea of which we have already made mention on the appropriate occasion is eaten by way of antidote to the stings of serpents it is recommended too to eat the young shoots of this tree and to apply them topically the wine and vinegar made from these grapes are productive of a similar salutary effect chapter twelve raisins or astaphis fourteen remedies raisins the name given to which is astaphis would be injurious to the stomach abdomen and intestines were it not for the stones within them which act as a corrective when the stones are removed raisins it is thought are beneficial to the bladder and good for cough 
In the last case, the raisin of the white grape is considered the best. Raisins are good also for the trachea and the kidneys, and the wine made from them is particularly efficacious for the sting of the serpent called hemorrhoids. In combination with meal of cumin or coriander, they are employed topically for inflammations of the testes. For carbuncles and diseases of the joints, the stones are removed and the raisins are pounded with rue. If used for ulcers, the sores must be first fomented with wine. Used with the stones, raisins are a cure for epincitus, honeycomb ulcers, and dysentery, and for gangrene they are applied topically with radish rind and honey, being first boiled in oil. They are used with panax for gout and loose nails, and they are sometimes eaten by themselves in combination with pepper for the purpose of cleansing the mouth and clearing the brain. Chapter 13. The Astaphiscagria, otherwise called Staphis or Taminia. Twelve Remedies. The wild Astaphis, otherwise called Staphis, is by some persons erroneously called Uva Taminia, for it is altogether a distinct plant from the other. It has a black upright stem with leaves resembling those of the Labrusca, and bears what we may call a pod, rather than a grape, green, similar to a chickpea in appearance, and enclosing a kernel of triangular form. The fruit of it ripens with the vintage and turns black, while the berries of the Taminia, as is well known, are red. This last, too, as we are aware, grows only in shaded spots, while the wild Astaphis, on the other hand, loves a site that is exposed to the sun. I would not recommend anyone to use the kernels of the wild Astaphis as a purgative, as it is very doubtful whether they might not choke the patient. Nor would I advise them to be employed for the purpose of attenuating the phlegm, as they are extremely irritating to the throat. Beaten up, however, and applied topically, they kill vermin in the head and other parts of the body, more particularly if they are used with sandarac. They are very useful, too, for itch scabs and perigo. A decoction of the kernels is made with vinegar for the cure of toothache, diseases of the ears, cicatrices that are slow in healing, and running sores. The blossoms of the plant are beaten up and taken in wine for stings inflicted by serpents, but as to the seed, I would strongly recommend its rejection on account of its extremely pungent properties. Some persons give to this plant the name of pituitaria and use it as a common application for stings inflicted by serpents. Chapter 14, The Labrusca or Wild Vine, 12 Remedies The Labrusca, too, produces an oenathi, which has been described at sufficient length already. By the Greeks, the Labrusca is known as the wild vine. The leaves of it are thick and of a whitish color, the stem is jointed, and the bark full of fissures. It bears grapes of a scarlet hue, like the caucus, which are made use of by females for the purpose of improving the complexion and removing spots upon the face. Pounded with leaves and the juice extracted from a tree, these grapes are usefully employed for the treatment of lumbago and sciatica. A decoction of the root in water taken in two sciathi of Cohen wine promotes an alvine evacuation of aqueous secretions, for which reason it is prescribed for dropsy. I am inclined to think that this is the plant that is commonly known as the uva tamina. It is in great request as an amulet and is employed, though as a gargle only, in cases of spitting blood for which purpose salt, thyme, and oxymel are added to it, care being taken not to swallow any of the mixture. It is generally looked upon as unsafe to employ it as a purgative. Chapter 15. The Salicastrum. Twelve Remedies. There is another plant, similar to the Labrusca, but found growing in willow beds, for which reason it is known by a distinct name, though the uses to which it is applied are just the same. 
the name given to it is salicastrum beaten up with oxymel it displays marvelous efficacy in the removal of itch scab and perigo in men and cattle chapter sixteen the white vine otherwise called ampelaluci staphyle melothron salatrum archisotis cedrostis or medon thirty-one remedies the white vine is known to the greeks by the various names of ampelalus staphyle melothron silastrum archisotis cedrostis and medon the twigs of this tree are jointed thin and climbing with considerable interstices between the knots the leaves attached to the numerous shoots and about the size of an ivy leaf are jagged at the edges like that of the vine the root of it is large and white and very like a radish at first from it issue several stems similar to asparagus in appearance these stems eaten boiled are both purgative and diuretic the leaves too as well as the stems are possessed of caustic properties for which reason they are employed topically with salt for phaedemic sores gangrenes and putrid ulcers of the legs the fruit of the tree is in the form of grapes thinly scattered the juice of which is red at first and afterwards of a saffron color this fruit is well known to couriers who are in the habit of using it in preparing leather it is employed also in the form of a liniment for itch scabs and leprous spots and a decoction of it with wheat taken in drink increases the milk in women when nursing the root of this tree so renowned for the numerous medicinal purposes to which it is applied is pounded and taken in wine in doses of two drachma for the cure of stings inflicted by serpents it has the effect also of removing spots upon the face moles and freckles as well as scars and bruises a decoction of it in oil is productive of a similar effect a decoction of it is given to drink for epilepsy and to persons troubled with a disordered mind or suffering from vertigo the dose being one drachma daily for a whole year taken in larger quantities it is apt sometimes to disorder the senses it is possessed also of one very remarkable property applied with water in the same manner as baronia of extracting splintered bones for which reason it is known to some persons by the name of white baronium the other kind however which is black is found to answer the purpose better in combination with honey and frankincense the white vine disperses incipient separations ripens them when they are inveterate and acts as a detergent it operates also as an emenagogue and diuretic an electuary is prepared from it for asthma and pains in the sides as also for convulsions and ruptures taken in drink for thirty days together in doses of three aboli it has the effect of reducing the spleen and it is used in combination with figs for the cure of hangnails on the fingers applied with wine it brings away the afterbirth and taken in hydromel in doses of one drachma it carries off phlegm the juice of the root should be extracted before the fruit ripens applied either by itself or with meal of fitches it imparts an improved complexion and a certain degree of suppleness to the skin it has the effect also of repelling serpents the root itself too beaten up with a pulpy fig will remove wrinkles on the body if the person using it takes care to walk a couple of stadia immediately after the application otherwise it would leave marks upon the skin unless indeed it were washed off immediately with cold water the black vine too is better for this purpose than the white one as the latter is very apt to be productive of itching chapter seventeen the black vine otherwise called bryona chibonia gynecanth or apronium thirty five remedies for there is also a black vine properly known as the bryonia though by some persons it is called the chironia and by others the gynecath or apronia 
It differs only from the one previously mentioned in its color, which, as already stated, is black. The shoots of this tree, which resemble asparagus in appearance, are preferred by Diocles for eating to real asparagus as a diuretic and for its property of reducing the spleen. It is found growing in shrubberies or reed beds more particularly. The root of it, which is black outside and of the color of box within, is even more efficacious for the extraction of splintered bones than the plant last mentioned, in addition to which it has a property of being a specific for excoriations of the neck in cattle. It is said, too, that if a person plants it around a farm, it will be sure to keep hawks away and to preserve the poultry yard in perfect safety. Attached to the ankles, it tends to disperse the blood, congested or otherwise, which may have settled in those parts of the body, whether in human beings or in beasts of burden. Thus, much with reference to the various species of vines. Chapter 18. Must. 15 Remedies. The various kinds of must have different properties, some of them being black, some white, and others of intermediate shades of color. There is a difference, too, between the kinds of must from which wine is made and those from which raisin wine is prepared. The various degrees of care and attention on the part of the maker render the differences that already exist quite innumerable. We shall therefore content ourselves with taking a general view only of their medicinal uses. Every kind of must is unwholesome to the stomach, but of a soothing nature to the venous system. Taken off at a draft, immediately after the bath, must is fatal in its effects. It acts as an antidote to cantharides and stings inflicted by serpents, those of the hemorrhoises and the salamandra in particular. It is productive of headache and is prejudicial to the throat, but it is good for the kidneys, liver, and inner coat of the bladder by reason of its lubricating properties. It is particularly effectual also in cases of injuries inflicted by the insect known as the buprestis. Taken with oil as a vomit, it neutralizes the bad effects of opium, milk that has curdled upon the stomach, hemlock, dorysinium, and other poisons. For all these purposes, however, white must is not so efficacious, while must prepared from raisins of the sun has a more pleasant flavor and is productive of a less degree of oppression to the head. End of section 12.